Hello, friends, and welcome. This is Syracuse Sports. Hello, my name's Brent. I'm your host, and uh, we have a show today to talk about recruiting. Recruiting has been a hot topic around the Syracuse football world, especially since Fran Brown came on board as head coach as a noted recruiter, the top recruiter in the country, who brought in Elijah Robinson and Nick Williams, also rated as two of the top 25 recruiters in the country. Recruiting? Recruiting, recruiting. That has been the theme of the Fran Brown hire. And here we sit here with just about a week until signing day, early signing day on December 20th, which has essentially become the signing day in college football. And Syracuse is making an impact. They're flipping commitments from other schools. They're in on players they would not be in without Fran Brown on board. And this is a conversation that came right from our Syracuse Sports Insiders because a lot of you – we're sending messages to me and become a Syracuse Sports Insider today by texting the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. And you can do things like this. You can send me questions and comments and opinions. And in this case, screenshots. So I got sent a number of screenshots from you guys asking why King Joseph Edwards, who's a potential Syracuse recruit and somebody that I think is going to sign on the dotted line with Syracuse. Brent's crystal ball says Edwards will commit to Syracuse. And Jalen Hornsby, a wide receiver who has committed to Syracuse, was previously committed to Texas A&M. Upon getting on Syracuse's radar, why were they downgraded from four stars to three stars? There's been kind of this running conspiracy theory among Syracuse fans that once Syracuse gets on board for some of these high-level players, that their star ranking drops. So what's up with that? So I went right to the source. John Garcia Jr. He is an SU alum. He is one of the best recruiting analysts in the country. He works for Rivals, somebody you should follow on social media. You should read his stuff on Rivals. He is one of the absolute best of the best. Used to be here in Syracuse, used to cover Syracuse recruiting. I've known John for years. So I said, look, if any shenanigans are going on, John can at least shed a light what the process is, why these Syracuse players are rated the way that they are. And oh, by the way, there's a ton of recruiting stuff to talk about. So let's take off our tinfoil hats a little bit and just hear about the Syracuse players that are on the radar, why they're rated the way that they are, who Syracuse could get, who they not could get, and have a good, meaty recruiting conversation. Okay, everybody take a deep breath. We'll sort this out. And we'll figure it out, right? I should note this, that John and I recorded this conversation on a Tuesday afternoon. And as soon as we stopped, Syracuse picked up a commitment out of the transfer portal from Jackson Meeks, who was a wide receiver from Georgia. Georgia, uh, he, where he spent three years. He had 10 catches for 132 yards. He was a top 25 rated player out of the state of Georgia, coming out of high school. Uh we didn't have an opportunity to talk about him with John because as soon as John and I got off, there was the commitment there. But, hey, if you're getting wide receivers good enough to be committed and be on the roster at Georgia for three years, could get more of an opportunity at Syracuse. Players recruit players. They see where they're coming from. That's a significant pickup, certainly, for Fran Brown and Syracuse out of the transfer portal. This is why I wanted to talk to John and get this conversation out as soon as we could because things move rapidly on the transfer portal market, certainly in recruiting. So 
without further ado, let's hear from the man himself, John Garcia Jr. from Rivals, talking crew. John, if you had said the name Fran Brown to a Syracuse fan three weeks ago, they might look at you funny, right? But they certainly know who he is now. Fran Brown is definitely a name that you knew and had heard about prior to him getting on the Syracuse radar here. So what's been your view of Fran coming into the Syracuse job and what he's done since? Because uh, certainly we heard the word recruiting a lot, and he has made an instant impact in that department. Look, it's it's cliche, but it is the lifeblood of the sport. And I think now even more so than before with the transfer portal and retaining your own guys, right? I mean, he's going to inherit this roster. He's got to recruit those guys to, to stick around. So recruiting at the collegiate level is, is a 365-day gig, and you have to have somebody in the controls who, who can get after it, you know, with the energy to get after it. And I think that's what Fran's MO has been since – you know, before taking that that Georgia DB coaching job. I mean, that was really the first time I started to, you know, see him on the trail, interact with him a little bit. Um, and and look, he was not positively received by Georgia fans, which is funny now, a couple hmm. of rings later. You know, like, hey, well, why do we need <laughs> right. this, this guy from the Northeast coming from Rutgers? What do they know about, you know, big boy football? And all he did was elevate, you know, their secondary room towards, you know, championships, draft picks, you know, they have the number one corner committed in, in this class, even, you know, and Ellis Robinson and Fran is, is really the main reason why uh, Ellis jumped on board and, and part of the reason why he's, he's going to stick with Georgia. So, you know, he's, he proved his mettle, you know, down south uh, against a lot of naysayers um, and obviously now is, is known as an elite recruiter, one of the most elite recruiters. So there was always this perception of, man, if this guy can get a head coaching gig in the next few years, maybe it happens sooner than people thought, but there was this thought, if he can grab a staff, you know, that could be really interesting and, and really play as a thorn in, in folks' side. So I think it's a perfect match for Syracuse regionally uh, with his most recent experience to, to spot recruit in the South, like we're already seeing Syracuse do here over the last few weeks of, of the cycle. And obviously he's been able to build a staff that has, you know, maybe the ability to make up for some areas where Fran might not be as comfortable, whether it's experience, play calling, um, the NFL level, which we're seeing some some splashes of on this this SU staff as it builds. So I think that's that's another part of it. You know, you got to recruit, you got to be kind of relentless and a little crazy, but you got you also have to have this self awareness. And I think especially at a school like SU, that's the main thing. You you can't pretend that you're recruiting like. A Florida State or, or even a Clemson uh, or even a North Carolina in the ACC. You have to have a self-awareness of, hey, we got to build this thing from the ground up and get guys who, who fit that. So I think that's something we've seen Fran that really hit the mark on with not only his targets, but some of the execution of, of hosting some of these guys on campus. John, I'm fascinated by the process in the sense of, look, it's a little bit of everything in recruiting, as you know. But, man, that relationship with the coach is everything, and especially at a place like Syracuse, because Syracuse has some obstacles you have to overcome. Some looked at it and said, well, of course, I could recruit at Georgia, right? But it's not just the name. It's not just the brand. It's the guy. And Fran is, I think, starting to prove this already, but built this reputation of the relationships that he forged. And every recruiter has their strength. His is the Northeast. He's from New Jersey. He knows 
all those routes. He can connect to a lot of these players, and there's a lot of New Jersey guys that, that are going all over the country to Texas A&M, which we'll get into in, in some of the big-time schools. So in the question of is it the guy or is it the school, like Fran is definitely swaying you know, the meter towards it's the guy, it's the coach. I mean, it is. I mean, look, look at to, to loop in AM, look at what Mike Elko just did at Duke. I mean, that was viewed as a program where, okay, David Cutcliffe did his thing. They kind of hit their ceiling and, and it, it was great. And that was it. And there was no expectation with Elko. Um, and immediately you saw a positive turnover. You saw them recruiting at a different footprint. And that culture became evident in like 18 months. I mean, it was set in stone. To the point where, you know, Duke is kind of trying to duplicate that with Manny Diaz, kind of defense first and all that. I say that to say small private school, a non-traditional football school trying to recruit against very many traditional football schools. That's what it takes. It's the guy. It is not the logo. All of that stuff can change. And we always have to remember as, as you and I get older and we've covered so many people, you know, these kids don't have that same experience. They don't have that same perception of school X. You That's and right. I might say, hey, Tennessee, Nebraska, Oklahoma. I mean, these are legitimate blue bloods. These recruits don't view those schools that way. It's just Georgia, you know, Bama, Clemson, LSU, and that's kind of it. So you have to, you know, remember that the target demo doesn't change at the collegiate level, even though those of us around the sport have, have seen it evolve and, and, materialize into something you know maybe southern focused it's not the deal for for those kids so i think that's a good point as well uh, when you talk about the guy Um, because again throw in that self-awareness and and realistic expectations and now you can go execute you know a plan to build a culture and a style and that's what you talk to recruits that's all you heard over the last two weekends it's there's a culture there's an energy there's a fit there building at su and and it's something that even if these kids don't commit they sort of believe in, and that's that's really step one in, in this process. So I think those boxes are being checked in Sharpie right now early on. John, there's some names, and I want to get your perspective on the Syracuse class and some nitty-gritty recruiting stuff I want to get into here, but I'm sure you've heard from Syracuse fans about this, so I wanted to go right to the source, right? So there's a lot of Syracuse fans that are wondering why and not just these two specific names I'm going to bring up, but there's like this perception that if a, a four-star recruit, for example, gets on the Syracuse radar, well, all of a sudden becomes a three-star recruit, right? So recently, King Joseph Edwards and Jalen Hornsby were downgraded, if, if you want to put it that way. Their, their status changed from four stars to three stars. So I just kind of wanted to turn it over to you. How does that work? Why were those guys, why was their status changed, and, and what kind of light can you shed on this to dispel the, the conspiracy theories that Syracuse fans are, are falling into with this stuff? Yeah, look, it's it's really simple. I wish it were that easy. Hey, we could just uh, assign stars based on the schools, and we'd have a lot more time on our hands to, to write and, and to, to do more in the recruiting industry. But look, this is a it's an evolving process. It's there's an initial ranking back in for some of these guys like King Joseph back when, when he was a sophomore in high school, he flashed at an Atlanta under armor camp. And we were all like, who is this six, three, 200 pound kid that, that is beating up on seniors. Who is this guy? Oh, he's going to be this great edge rusher. And then, you know, things change in the years that, that follow. But I think for, for both of these, there's pretty clear 
examples as to when the changes were made. Jalen Hornsby committed to AM as a four star, I believe, in the summer, I believe in July. Mm-hmm. The very next update, he was actually downgraded to a three star while he was a Texas AM commitment. So I know it's been popular for SU fans to share the screenshot of when he committed to AM versus when he flipped to Syracuse, but he actually was downgraded right after that AM verbal commitment by our, our Texas area scouts at the time. For King Joseph, that rankings meeting happened on November 20th for this class of 2024 to go effective the first week of December. And with Edwards, still a very good talent, but we have positional questions now, because as I said, when he first broke out, who is this lanky edge prospect that looks like he's got this crazy first step? Well, now he's 45 pounds bigger and he's kind of a tweener. He might be destined for the inside at the next level. And if that's the case, we haven't seen as much production with him lining up on the inside. He's dealt with injuries. He's transferred schools. There has been just a lack of of data on King Joseph in the last six to 12 months relative to maybe his future position projections. So we took a conservative approach and bumped him down a couple spots, not even a star, a couple spots relative to other players. And it just so happened to be right on that fourth star threshold because there's only a certain amount of four stars that you could have in a class. Otherwise, it's a participation trophy and, and everyone's a blue chip recruit. Doesn't work that way. So he was just right on the bubble before the position projection change. And since then, he just fell a couple of spots, just human to human underneath that threshold. Nothing he did in particular. We just think he might play a different position than when he broke out as a sophomore. Um, and again, that went down on November 20th, didn't get published until the first week of December, which of course preceded the official visit and, and caused uh, some social media fun. So timing is that's everything. The spiel on those yeah, guys. yeah that, that's the spiel on those two guys. Kind of funky coincidence, if you will. But look, we're going to see these guys in all-star settings. There's one more, more update in January. And if regardless of whether or not King Joseph Edwards is a Syracuse commit, if he goes out and dominates at his future projected position, he's probably going to get the bump up. I mean, it's really simple. It, it's a rolling evaluation until January. And he just kind of slipped a couple of spots in uh, November. So it, it just kind of was what it was in that regard, but there's no conspiracy. I wish it were that simple, honestly. I'd have a little more. Right. Yeah. Speaking generally, if you have a specific example or two, you can give me that. But can a player be considered a four star at one school, like a high level type of, of school, right? A Florida State. But at Syracuse, they're a three star. It, can there be a difference there or a four-star player is a four-star player no matter where they go? The, the only position where I, in my own evaluations, have considered the school at all is quarterback. Only because the system dictates so much of the potential success. So if you're this gunsling and dual threat quarterback in high school running all over the place and you commit to Iowa, I might think, you know what, they're going to ask him to change a lot about his game. And that's going to influence the projection, the ranking, the stars, whatever it is. Um, Because look, this is this is a human evaluation. I do want to make that clear. It's not it's not, again, as robotic as, as maybe it may seem. Look, Alabama, all their kids are five stars, whatever. We took a fifth star away from a Bama commit in this same December update. Another Texas A&M commitment who, who just decommitted yesterday lost his fourth star. A Miami commitment lost his fifth star in this update. I mean, it, it goes up and down for just about everyone. But the only position for me 
where I say, okay, I'm going to allow the every data point to spew into opinion and, and the human side of it is quarterback relative to the system, but only if it's a, a true extreme, like that example of a, a wide ranging dual threat going to the most conservative pro style offense, which often doesn't happen anyway, but that's the only time where maybe the school can come into influence for me personally. Okay. Good to know. So, uh, everybody, uh, uh, Take off your tinfoil hats here when it comes to uh, Syracuse and recruiting. John, I want to go through some names and some positions and, and really dig into some nitty-gritty stuff here on, on the recruiting front. Quarterback is always the sexy position to talk about. Syracuse has made some big scores in the recruiting area. As we speak, they're, they're still really on the hunt for another impact quarterback. Now, they have Jakari Williams coming in in the class of 2024, so we can talk about him but in the instant impact transfer portal world we're in. So we're hearing about Kyle McCord at Ohio State. Could he visit Syracuse if Nebraska doesn't get him? Whit Muschamp is a name, of course, that Fran Brown knows well, working with his father, Will Muschamp, at quarterback. There's a couple names. Tyler Van Dyke's a popular name out there. Are you hearing anything quarterback-wise that Syracuse could be in on, either portal or something late in, in the recruiting game as well? Well, look, if it's going to come from the portal, it's got to come fast, right? We just saw Riley Leonard come off the board to Duke. And I think he, he was sort of, depending on who you ask, QB1 or QB2 with Cam Ward among those that are available. And typically when that happens, a lot of the other dominoes fall with the other big name quarterbacks. But luckily for SU and a lot of schools looking to, to get this thing right, there's a lot of experienced names in the portal as you mentioned Kyle McCord Tyler Van Dyke a lot of guys with Northeast ties as well and as we've seen successfully both to and from Syracuse through the transfer portal at quarterback there's an avenue there there's a path there towards legitimate recognition and obviously when you're talking about a new coaching staff it brings its own caveat to that now we think we think Jeff Dixon's going to be the guy at OC I think that's still that's right. TBD yep. there in, in particular. So we think it's going to be a more pro style, maybe run first type of offense. So which pro style quarterbacks fit that? We just saw McCord at times look a little bit like a fish out of water in a wide open spread offense. So maybe this is something that fits him a little bit more. Tyler Van Dyke was best at Miami under a more pro style conventional offense a couple years ago. Uh, under Rhett Lashley. So I do think there's some credence to some of these names that are being loosely affiliated with Syracuse because you got to grab a guy. I mean, it's it's really simple. You know, Garrett Trader was great, a lot of ups and downs, ton of experience. He, he doesn't have eligibility as far as I'm understanding. So you've got to make a move in that regard. And, and there's no more there's no more long leash in the sport where you're allowed to sit and develop a four-year plan with with a, a roster you know that that's gone you know unfortunately for for many coaches so you've got to go out and, and grab a guy and i think you know tyler van dyke would make a lot of sense there was a lot of of louisville conversation but they found their guy so i think that's good news for su and with mccord like you said the ball's kind of in nebraska's court based on the most recent reports he's visiting i believe this weekend so it could be as simple as come monday if he's still available Great news for SU. If not, you, you kind of got to move on to the next guy. But there is a sense that they've got to go out and grab an experienced uh, signal caller because you just don't know what that inherited roster is going to look like, not only before spring ball, but certainly after once everything is implemented with the new staff. Well, and there's a twist in the wind here, uh, as you know. Uh, so there's a uh, five-star top-level quarterback 
that Nebraska might swipe from Georgia. Remind me of, of the us. name there, John. Yep. Yeah. So if I'm Kyle McCord, do I want to, if I'm Kyle McCord, do I want to compete with him or do I want a job like handed to me on a silver platter in essence, right? At Syracuse. So something to think about. And as you noted, I, I've heard the saying that he's going to be visiting this weekend if Nebraska uh, is not in, in the cards there. So something to definitely keep an eye on. We've mentioned Fran Brown a lot. The name Elijah Robinson, huge addition to the staff, as you know, terrific recruiter, great great defensive line coach. He's going to be the defensive coordinator at Syracuse. So there's a few, a few names that put Syracuse in play with the transition going on at Texas A&M. And I want to throw a couple at you here. Dominic McKinley is a five-star commit. Syracuse is now on the radar. He's going to get a visit, which maybe before they wouldn't. And Fidel Diggs, who is one of the top transfers on the market there, also from Texas A&M. I'm hearing good things about Diggs to Syracuse. McKinley, hey, for Syracuse to be on that radar, you know as well as anybody, John, that's that's big just to be on the list. Yeah, look, it's December 12th. So in theory, in eight days, this thing's going to be all wrapped up. So to be on the radar in any regard, like you said, is a very big deal. And we just talked about at the top of the show, it's about the person, right? Um, and a lot of these Texas A&M commits, look, they signed the greatest class of all time two cycles ago, and it was defensive line laden, right? That was that was the position group that put them over the top. And Elijah was really the main reason why. Sure, SEC resources and all that is, is obvious. But in terms of the person, Elijah Robinson had most to do with that great haul. So it's not a surprise to see so much Texas A&M carryover to the point where it's not even just the D-linemen, right? We, we, we talked about Hornsby. There's other A&M commitments or recruits that are now looking at SU. He, he had this aura when, when he was the interim coach there. There was a small campaign for him to keep the gig, right? So there's there's a different level of trust there with Elijah Robinson. And obviously that friendship with Fran Brown dating back however long is paying off immediately on the recruiting trail. Um, but in terms of those two guys, to be in the running for a five-star who we don't think is going to get dropped, by the way, you know that's a huge deal in and of itself. Get him on campus and see where you stand on December 20th. And then with Diggs, we hear a lot of momentum, you know, you, you want familiarity, whether it's the system or the person when you're making a transfer move, especially along the defensive line, because outside of quarterback, we talk about system and how that matters. D linemen are raving about the differences between one coach versus the other, four, four three versus three, four, a multiple front, a gap front. That is really their ticket, their dollar you know, amount going forward. So that comfort, I think, is is just as important as, hey, this, this quarterback is, is very familiar with this offensive scheme or this play caller. It's just as big a deal for D linemen. So you understand, again, why some of these AM portal players, and there have been many more on the defensive line, would consider Syracuse going forward, especially because now he's been elevated to defensive coordinator, which was a brilliant move by Fran Brown, because now you're getting the, the local power as a D line coach and then obviously the widespread power as the play caller, you know, on the top of, of the list as well. So no doubt SU is going to be one of the more exciting teams to watch down the stretch. And it's not just till signing day next week. It's going to be beyond with these portal guys. Fran Brown uh, certainly made his bones as a defensive backs coach, not only rated as the top recruiter in the country, but the top defensive backs coach in the country, according to many, John. And uh, there's a few names here that Fran Brown gets you in the room. There was photos out there. We're, we're speaking here on Tuesday. 
Just had an in-home visit with Josh Philiston, who's a, a four-star defensive back. Seems like he'd be a, a big pickup for Syracuse. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, actually just, just talked to Josh last night. Speedy, versatile defensive back, the type you need in any league, frankly. Uh, committed to Indiana. Obviously, they're going through a coaching transition as well, so he's curious to see if there's still a fit in Bloomington, but he took the SU official visit last week. And as you said, Fran has followed up with the in-home visit. He's clearly a priority. And it's the same thing. He's just like, man, the culture, the energy feels so different there at SU. And Josh, having committed to Indiana prior, was kind of willing to go to a program, obviously far away from home. He's a South Florida guy, but also one that has room, you know, to grow and to grow with, you know, so that's something that he's, attracted to but since that iu coaching change happened syracuse isn't the only new school in there west virginia is involved a lot of other schools are trying to get him on campus over this last weekend coming up and maybe beyond so su's in a good spot right now i think if he had to decide today it'd be between su and sticking with the hoosiers so if you're an su fan you want him to sign on the 20th but josh said he's not sure right now he might hold off until the traditional signing day in february which would allow for more visits in January, maybe to West Virginia, or if another school or two gets involved. So I think it's a sooner rather than later plan for SU with, with Philiston, who would be one of the, the top signees in the class uh, should SU be able to grab him. KJ Bolden, obviously one of the top rated players at his position, one of the top rated recruits in the country. He came up with King Joseph Edwards to Syracuse, which got a lot of people fired up about that. You know, you just get him on campus, get him in the room with Fran Brown and good things can happen. Tell me about him and Coy Beasley as well, who's currently committed to Purdue. He's a a high level guy that uh, would certainly help Syracuse as well. Tell me about those two guys. Yeah, a couple of blue chip players. Beasley, I think, can play corner or safety at the next level. There's there's a, a role for that type of versatile player, maybe even nickel at the next level, covering some of these smaller, shiftier guys that we see, uh, you know, at North Carolina, et cetera. Um, we'll see. You know, Purdue, I think, has an opportunity to hang on there, but it certainly feels more open than it did a couple weeks ago, and, and SU is not the only school trying to beat down the door. I, I think for Bolden, totally different scenario. It, it, there's no better example of, it's the people, as you said, the perfect introduction to this whole thing. There's no better example of why the person is important because there is no way KJ Bolden visits Syracuse two weeks before signing day if there's not a legitimate connection, a true connection with Fran Brown. This isn't just, hey, I'm, I'm King Joseph's friend. I'm going to go take a trip and, and be cold for a little bit. No, this is legitimate. <laughs> hey, this coach is selling me something at a new place. I've never been. Let me go see. It might mean nothing. It might mean something, but let me at least go see. And that is always the first step in in the path towards a surprise. And KJ's already proven kind of willing to go out on his own. You know, he was a Georgia lock at one point. It seemed like because of Fran Brown, he committed this to Florida State uh, in, in the summer, and it was a huge shock. And, and since that point, Georgia and Auburn have really been battling back and forth to try to reel him back in. But the moment Brown took the SU job, the few was, man, that hurts Georgia a lot in that potential <laughs> flip pursuit. So no matter how you look at it, th- this was a big deal uh, for KJ. And, and he, you know, allowed Syracuse to to show him around. So we'll see. I, I don't expect him to sign with SU next week, but uh, it could be a hat on the table, which, again, is another step in the right direction. you got to secure big visits if you want to win big recruiting battles. It sounds simple, but oftentimes this caliber of player would not 
visit a school like SU when he's got, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Auburn, Clemson, you know, beating down the door for him. Is there a name or two I did not bring up that you'd like to address that Syracuse is, is in on, thinking about, could be a surprise, just anything uh, on your mind there that I, I did not bring up? Yeah, look, I know the King Joseph Edwards conversation has been more about his ranking than where he might go, but I love SU's chances here. Um, we, we talked about Fran and how much that meant. They instantly vaulted into the, to his top group once that became official. And then Elijah Robinson's one he knew and Nick Williams was another that he knew very well at Colorado. So I think that the stars have sort of aligned for SU to grab Edwards, who, again, is still a very good player. Like three star is the beginning of our NFL threshold. We think there shouldn't be an undrafted free agent or NFL draft pick that wasn't at least three stars. That's like our bottom line at Rivals. So we still think of him as a very, very highly thought of three star who, again, has an opportunity to bump back up. I think SU is in a great spot there. I've got a future cast in for the orange. And then we know they're involved in the flip game. They've already flipped a few. There's another name to keep an eye on. We got to go back to New Jersey, right? Emmanuel Ross, another big physical wide receiver. Again, we're getting a theme with these, you know, Yassine Willis, big physical running back. These skill position players aren't going to be little small, fast guys. They're going to be bigger, more physical throwback type players. Emmanuel Ross, another big one currently committed uh, to Stanford. Uh, but obviously not a great year for the Cardinal. And, and he's a Red Bank, New Jersey guy, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds, who SU feels really good about right now. I could see that being maybe the next flip candidate for the Orange uh, in between now and, and signing day next week. John, I want to close with this thought. You know, you're a Newhouse grad. You followed Syracuse recruiting. Still keep tabs on it as we're speaking. But I'm curious, like, how – and your job is rivals and covering thing from a national perspective. I don't, I don't know how much Syracuse was knocking on your door in recent years. Right. But they're back now. Right. Just what do you think about this, that you're going to have to follow Syracuse more knowing what Fran Brown's <laughs> doing, knowing the conversations that they're in on now. And like you said, we'll continue to be in on uh, even after December 20th. Yeah. Not mad at that at all, but I've, I've probably, talked to more SU targets and covered more SU news in the last two weeks than I had in the last, you know, 12 months, for sure, and from a recruiting perspective. So I think, that, again, you talk about the impact, you know, I cover the Southern region for rivals, and SU is, is picking and prodding down here. But, but look, mm -hmm. I think they're going to be a little bit more Northeast focused, which is probably a good thing. And then you spot recruit in the South, and we'll see how the rest of the coaching staff pans out, but there is no doubt that there's been a real impact and we're going to be talking SU through national signing day. And, and this is not even the first full class, right? So you got to judge Fran on next year's class, that class of 25, his first full recruiting board, 12 months to evaluate and, you know, change those evaluations much like we do going forward. You know, I think that's the first group where you're going to really start to evaluate him. And if SU has a puncher's chance at a top, you know, 30 class, you're going to talk about, you know, having the right guy in the fold, because that's something we just haven't seen over the last several coaching staffs, frankly. John, I always appreciate your time. Always good to see you. Keep up the great work, my friend. It's going to get juicy here until the 20th. And, uh, yeah, I know you guys will be all over it there. So uh, thanks for hanging with us today on Syracuse Sports. We'll definitely do it again down the road. But uh, appreciate your time today, my friend. Thanks for having me. Brent Axe, the legend, baby. <laughs> 
Our thanks again to John Garcia Jr. for joining us here on Syracuse Sports. And my thanks to you guys. This is one of those episodes that came from the Syracuse Sports Insiders. I mean, we've been talking a lot of recruiting anyway, but uh, your specific questions, your thoughts. Can you get somebody on from Rivals? Can they explain what's going on here? That came right from you guys. And that's why it pays to be a Syracuse Sports Insider. Just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. You get direct access to me. You can ask me questions anytime. You get my opinions and thoughts first. You get the podcast sent directly to you. You get your voice heard and featured prominently on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. And don't forget our post-game shows as well. We've got one coming up after Syracuse takes on Oregon on the basketball front Sunday in South Dakota, of all places, right? The Boca Bowl next week. We've got one more football post-game show to go. But your voice featured prominently here on the Syracuse Sports and Syracuse Sports post-game shows. And so many advantages to being a Syracuse Sports Insider. We'd love for you to join the community. It's two weeks free. Try it out. See what it's like. Ask me questions. See what happens. And then just $3.99 a month after your two-week free trial. You can cancel anytime. Love building the community. Love the feedback that I get from you guys. And uh, we'd love for you to be a part of it. So become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. I want to thank our friends at Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics, for sponsoring Syracuse Sports, of course. We've got a fun interview coming up later this week. It is a mystery guest. I did send a note to our Syracuse Sports Insider seeing if they could guess who it was. And a couple of you have, but many of you have not. So stay tuned later this week. We have a fun mystery guest on Syracuse Sports. As soon as you see it and hear it, you're going to know the name. That's, that's your hint. Okay, he. I'll say this. It is a he. And they are a, a national voice. A national voice will be joining the show later this week. But we thank you for joining the show today. And we will talk to you next time, friends, here on Syracuse Sports.